a lot of folks that have come out since then and said, please don't stop the study. And because of popular demand, I'm going to get right back in it tonight. We'll be back in our, our study of the Antichrist. It's such a deep subject and such a lengthy subject. You could really spend weeks and months on this subject. So I'm just going to take it as long as I feel the Lord leading me to take the subject. And uh, we'll go from there. Uh, and there's a lot of material to cover tonight. But next week especially will be the week where we're going to get into some very controversial things. Uh, some things that, uh, and there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, all you've got to do is look on the internet and look on YouTube, whatever. And there's five billion different opinions and ideas and concepts about the Antichrist. And what is the mark going to be? And, uh, and wh who is this person? And where is he from? Thankfully, the Bible gives us a lot of those details. If I have time tonight, I want to give you a little bit of that. Uh, but we're going to be back in, in some of the introductory form of it tonight. And just take it from there. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining in our Wednesday night Bible study live stream. Uh, as we continue our study on the most mentioned man in the Bible outside of the Trinity is the devil. And in connected with the devil, uh, connection with him is the Antichrist, the man of sin. And so the Bible is full of references and scriptures about him. It takes a little work to go through, but that's what the Bible tells us to do. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It takes work, but it's in there. It's in the Bible. We're going to study it, and uh, hopefully this message tonight, this lesson will be a great blessing to you as it's been for me to prepare and study. Uh, I do want to lift up our church and lift up any of our uh, friends that are joining in with us tonight or will join in later on. Uh, our prayers are certainly with you, uh, and uh, we want to lift you up before the Lord tonight. And I ask for your prayers on my behalf. Keep your prayers coming on my behalf. I need it, and I desire your prayers. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing on our time of worship and study tonight, and uh, we'll move forward from there. So let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you tonight for another Wednesday Bible study that you provide us the means, Lord, of the technology that... No doubt, you know, 50, 100 years ago uh, would have been impossible. And Lord, I'm thankful that even in the midst of a quarantine and a, and a pandemic that is going around and all the things that are out there, Lord, you give us the means and the, the opportunity through the internet uh, to be able to share worship services online, to be able to share Bible studies together. Lord, I remember having radio programs years ago, uh, preaching on the, uh, on the radio, preaching live services uh, 25, 26 years ago. I remember uh, going down the radio stations and having to turn in pre-recorded tapes and having to pay for that airtime. And yet now I can get on Facebook or YouTube and just live stream this virtually for free with very minimal technology used on my part. And so, Lord, we've come a long ways. Uh, in this way, it's a good area, but I know many other ways it's not. Lord, we believe now even more than last week, we're another week closer to the nearness of your return. And we know, Lord, you could come back at any glorious moment. You could come back before this message is through. And, Lord, you could call us home. And, Lord, I just pray that you'd keep us prepared, keep us on our toes, keep us alert, keep our noses down in the Word of God, keep us plowing forward for you. Don't let us get sidetracked. Don't let us take our eyes off of, uh, uh, off of you and off of our finish goal. As I talked about those crowns Sunday night, that end game that is yet before us, crossing that goal and hearing those tremendous eternal words by your mouth, 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Lord, that's my desire tonight more than anything else, that you might be honored and glorified and exalted in all that I say and do. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to decrease, that you might increase tonight. I confess that I am nothing and that I know nothing, but I pray for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost of God to come and teach by me and through me, Lord, the things that you'd have us to know and understand. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do, as Paul said, to comfort one another with these words. I'm not trying to scare anyone. Lord, I'm trying to comfort one another with these words. So may you do that tonight. Whatever the prayer needs are of our congregation, those that are able to view live stream, those that are in their homes, those that cannot get on the internet, uh, Lord, those that are our, our friends and our, our loved ones that are tuning in as well, whatever needs they've got, uh, Lord, tonight, may you touch their lives May you minister to their needs and their family until Jesus comes again. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for praying with me. And I hope you've got your Bibles open. I hope you've got you some note paper. And so you can take some of these notes as we go through tonight. Uh, go back if you're just joining in when this is over. And I do have some announcements and things at the beginning I want to share with you. And uh, so go back and watch that if you have some time when this is over. Uh, there are several places we're going to turn to tonight. And I keep going back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So please go back there with me. And I'm not trying to just beat that same scripture to death. But it's such a powerful text uh, about the things that we're talking about. The Antichrist, the last days, the end times. Uh, there's many passages in Daniel. We'll be looking at that here in just a moment. Uh, Daniel 8, for example. Daniel chapter 11, for example. Uh, there's other places, Matthew 24, uh, that talks about this. Uh, Zechariah talks about this as well, chapter number 11. Uh, some of the minor prophets and major prophets talk about the Antichrist. The types and pictures are all through the Bible. We talked about that last time, uh, the 18 types of the Antichrist that are there. Uh, if you want to know more about him, just study his, uh, his types, uh, types his figures. The Bible is full of typology. Not because those truths are not true and literal, but because God uses types as a way of teaching us things. Kind of like a parable, but gives us an analogy, a picture, an example. In fact, the Bible tells us that the things of the Old Testament happen for our example. Uh, they happen for our learning. So we go back to those things. And you can see, uh, you want to know something about the Antichrist? Study Pharaoh and uh, what he did in Egypt to Israel. You want to know something about the Antichrist? Study Job's persecution by Satan. Uh, you want to know something about the Antichrist? Uh, then look at Judas Iscariot. Uh, Judas Iscariot has the same title as the Antichrist. They're both called the son of perdition. Uh, Judas Iscariot went out and hung himself, uh, and he had the devil uh, enter into him. He wasn't just led by the devil or tempted by the devil. He was possessed by the devil and not just, you know, demon possessed. But the Bible says Satan entered him just like the Antichrist. Uh, and he went out and hung himself. And when he died, the Bible didn't say he went to hell. And a lot of people think he went to heaven. He didn't go to heaven. He went to his own place is what the Bible says. Go back and look that up. That's what it says about him. But this man we call the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 He's also referred to as the beast in Revelation, uh, just like an animal. He's a beast. If you study the cherubim uh, in Ezekiel, they have faces. One of them has a face like a man, but they also have the face of beast as well. Uh, and uh, he, this beast is going to come out 
and, uh, and represent the Antichrist or represent the devil. He's called the man of sin, the man of sin. He's called the son of perdition and so many different titles. He will be the devil incarnate as Jesus Christ is God incarnate, God in the flesh. The Antichrist is going to be the devil in the flesh in human form. Uh, he's called Antichrist. That little prefix, anti, uh, it means against or instead of. And it's only used by John in John's writings. Uh, in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the same author uh, of the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the Epistles of John, and also the book of Revelation. It's called the Antichrist. He's against Christ. He's instead of Christ. That's used by John, who is closer to Jesus Christ than any of the other disciples. Uh, let me be very clear tonight. The devil wants, he wants casualties less than he wants converts. He's wanting converts tonight. He is a religious person. He wants worship. He desires to be worshiped. He desires to be God. If you study Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, uh, he demands and desires worship. As the devil incarnate in the form of the Antichrist, Worship will be associated with his ministry, if you will, his wicked, ungodly ministry. Uh, he'll desire worship. And so he's wanting converts tonight. Sadly, the world is quickly being converted to the Antichrist. Some known, some unknown. Some are willingly following suit. Some are just dumb sheep uh, or dumb goats, we ought to say, that are following the, the Pied Piper of this world, the world system. And the Bible says we're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, and we're not to love the, the world system because it's against God. It's enmity to God. Uh, the Bible says you cannot serve God and man or mammon at the same time. Uh, he is presently in the world working. Uh, now the Antichrist himself may not be presently working in the uh, in the world today as the Antichrist. He could be living. He could be in politics. He could be in power for all we know. But uh, we know this, the spirit of Antichrist is presently working in the world tonight. And it was working in the days of John. It was working in the days of the first century of the early church. How much more so is the spirit of the Antichrist working in 2020. So the devil is presently working, but he will be revealed. And the word revealed comes from the word apocalypto, apocalypse. And that's what people even, there's movies about the apocalypse and the end times and all these natural disasters and things that are going to happen. Uh, and he will be revealed in the end. And that's what Second Thessalonians tells us, that he's going to be revealed in his time. And so I want to bring out several things before we go a little bit deeper in the, into the Antichrist. Uh, and I, uh, all beginning at 2 Thessalonians again tonight. First of all, I want us to think about the mockery of God recounted. The mockery of God recounted. If you go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 4, says, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Again, this goes back to Ezekiel 28. 
I'll be like God. There's five I wills in Lucifer's fall in Isaiah 14. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend above the, the, the throne of God. Uh, I, will, uh, I will this. I will that. And yet the Bible says he was cast down to hell. This is the mockery of God recounted. He opposes God. He exalts himself above God. Uh, we find out that he goes in Matthew 24 and in the book of Daniel. Uh, it tells us that he's going to go into the rebuilt temple and show himself to be God. So uh, although he may not run on a platform saying, look at me, I'm God. Once the world has been converted and, and, and following him, he's going to, He's not going to hold back. He's going to proclaim himself to be worshipped. He's going to proclaim himself to be idolized. And uh, and look, that word idol even used to be a negative word. And yet we hear about it all the time. American Idol. You know, it's, it's a, a, something that we hear about all the time in the world that we're in today. It's the mockery of God recounting. The world today as a whole uh, is not atheistic. And yet the world does not have a biblical form of God and Christianity. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I worry about the local New Testament church. I'm talking about Baptist churches. Don't have a biblical view of God and a biblical view of the God of the Bible. They've just about taken half the Bible or three-quarters of the Bible and, and ripped it out and thrown it in the fire, just like Jehudi did in the book of Jeremiah, and said, I don't believe this scripture. I don't accept that God. This is my God. My God wouldn't do this. My God wouldn't do that. Well, what about not your God or my God? What about the God of the Bible? And the God of the Bible is not being worshipped tonight by civilization and by the world. He's been a, made fun of and mocked. Look at what is it, the governor of New York? Wasn't it the governor of New York that came out a couple weeks ago? And he said, all of you Christians out there saying that this is a, a result of God and this is a result of prayer. He said, we're not, our numbers with this COVID virus isn't down because of your God or because of your prayers. It's because of what I did. What I, boy, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be in when you take credit for the work of God and you exalt yourself above God. And look, people don't even blink or think twice about it. They don't even think twice about it. You think the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and the world's going to say, oh no, please don't exalt yourself. They're going to praise him. No wonder pride's the sin of the last days. Uh, that's the mockery of God recounted. Number two is the mystery of iniquity that's presently restrained. The mystery of iniquity that is restrained. Look in verse 6 and 7 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And now you know what withholdeth. Circle that word what. What withholdeth. That he, that word he's important, might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, circle that word he, uh, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 7 speaks of he. Uh, and verse uh, 6 speaks of what. Uh, he and what is very important tonight. The he and the what is related to the restraining of the man of sin. And when I take my dog out, we've got a German shepherd. I've got to restrain her when I walk her. She wants to just run free. I've got to put my leash on her. If I didn't put the leash on her and just open the door, we'd probably never see her again. It's like that movie with Chevy Chase, Funny Farm. And he got the little yellow dog, remember the lab? And as soon as he opened the door, it took off. That would probably be our dog. It would take off running. The devil wants to run. He wants to run freely, but he's being restrained tonight. And the restraining is connected to the he and the what. 
In verse 6, the church is the what? The Holy Spirit is the what? Uh, and the He and the, and the Holy Spirit is in the church and through the church is restraining the power and the influence of Satan and his work. If the church is out of the picture, then, the, then Satan can run free. But he is currently restrained. The power that Satan has, and don't misunderstand me, he is a powerful being. But his power comes from God. God gives him his power. God permits his power. Everything that he does is under the permissive will of God. And right now, the Antichrist isn't running things because God is restraining him through the power of the Holy Spirit through the local New Testament church. It's a very simple thought. The Holy Spirit fills the believer tonight. I mean, do you believe that tonight? That's what the Bible teaches. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. And, and yet the, the world cannot contain the Spirit of God. But he resides in a restraining force that is there. Now the restraining force has been lifted, and so Satan can do exactly whatever he wants to do. Uh, verse 7, again it says the mystery of iniquity doth already work. He already works. But even though he already works, he's being restrained because of the influence of the local New Testament church. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Look with me there if you would. First Thessalonians chapter number 5. I believe in looking at a chronological view of Scripture. And I believe God puts things in an order for an important reason. And if you look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 deals with the rapture of the church in verse 13 down through verse 18. In chapter number 5, he deals with the second coming of the Lord. But notice something that he says in verse number 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so the whole context of this, this passage, remember, read the verses before and the verses after, deals with the coming of the Lord. The time of the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, uh, of the translation of the saints, what follows that is the tribulation. And that's what the Bible calls it. It's called the tribulation, but it's also called the day of God's wrath. Or it's called the great wrath or the wrath. Some people talk about uh, when it comes to the rapture. Are you pre-wrath or post-wrath or uh, uh, wrath or, or, you know, all wrath? I don't believe anything is going to happen at all. Uh, pre-wrath, meaning that we believe the Lord's coming before the wrath that is coming to this world. And yet Paul said to the church, before the wrath comes, we're not appointed to that. He's going to deliver us out of it. Once we're delivered out in verse number 9, what follows is 2 Thessalonians, and you get to chapters 1 and then chapters 2, and lo and behold, there's the Antichrist. So we're the restraining force, the Holy Spirit through us. That's what the mystery of the Spirit that will be removed is all about. One of the best ways to look at it tonight is salt. Remember where Jesus said that we are likened to salt. He compared us to several things. You're like a city set on a hill. You're like a light. Uh, that, that uh, you know, the little kids sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. He said, no man lighteth a light and hideth it under a bushel. He said, let your light shine among men. And so he says, you are the salt of the earth. It's another comparison of the church. We are the salt of the earth. You know what salt does? Salt does many things. But for example, it cleanses, it purifies, it adds flavor, uh, it, it penetrates, it preserves. 
it, it keeps corruption out of something. All right? We're the salt of the earth right now. We, through the Holy Spirit through us, is keeping what cleanliness is left in the world, what purity is left in the world, uh, uh, what, what, what you know, preservatives are left in the world, keeping back corruption from taking place in the world. That's the salt of the earth. That's you and I that are saved. But remove the salt, and now what follows is corruption, decay. That's what's going to happen when the salt is removed, when the church is removed. Then the wrath comes upon the world. The Holy Spirit does two things to us tonight. He helps saints and he hinders Satan. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He helps saints and he hinders Satan. That's the mystery of the Spirit that will be removed. Number, uh, number uh, one, the mockery of God recounted. Number two, the mystery of iniquity is restrained. Number three, the ministry of the Spirit will be removed. Then number four, the mastery of Satan will be released. The mastery of Satan will be released in verse seven. The mystery of iniquity doth uh, already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse eight, and then shall that wicked, that's a title, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose working is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. That's the mastery of Satan is going to be released. The power of Satan, the signs, the lying wonders, all the deception. Now the influence of the church, the Holy Spirit is removed. Thank God we've still got common sense. We've still got biblical sense. We can look at things through a biblical perspective and point of view. But when the church is called out and the salt is no longer here, now people no longer have that influence of the church and of the Holy Spirit in the world. So he'll be able to easily corrupt and easily lie and easily deceive. And don't misunderstand me. He will be able to do great powers and signs and wonders will follow him. All at the permissive will of God. I said at the beginning of this, if you want to know something about the Antichrist, study his, his types in the scriptures. For example, Pharaoh. Pharaoh's magicians were able to do great signs and wonders, but they did it. It was real thing. It, it wasn't, you know, just made up stuff. It was real things that happened. It was real, what we'd call spells or en en enchantments, sorcery, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it. It was done by the power of Satan through the permissive will of God. Until it came to the act of creating life. But even that somehow is going to be lifted. Because when the image in Revelation chapter number 13. Is going to be presented to the people. Then the beast is able to give life to the image. And it's going to live. And become a living thing. And an animate object is going to become a living organism. Under the power of Satan. When it comes to his intellectual genius. The Antichrist will be immense. To his authority, he'll be overpowering. Uh, his hatred will be extraordinary. His techniques will be superb. M women will swoon at his feet. Men will be willing to die for him. Children and young people will sing his praises and speak his name with reverence. All because the power and the signs and the wonders that are going to follow the mastery of Satan will be released. Once the church is raptured out 
and the Holy Spirit's influence is not like it was before through the church in the world. And the whole world will marvel at him. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 talks about that, that the world will marvel after the Lord. Well, they're gonna, and he'll be admired in, in his church. Well, they're gonna admire the work of Satan. They're gonna admire the Antichrist. Look at how the world praises athletes. Look at how the world praises movie stars and, 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 and singers. I mean, what do these people do? What do the Kardashians do? And yet the world admires them. Some singer makes a song and all of a sudden the world, I mean, Lady Gaga, is people go gaga for Lady Gaga. Why? Because she's she makes millions off of what she calls her monsters, by the way. Just out of curiosity, you know, I won't throw that out there. Uh, they, they admire them. Look at how the world praises uh, Princess Di and praises the, the, the queens and the kings and the famous people and the movie stars. And you don't think that when the Antichrist shows up, they're not going to praise him? God has a holy trinity. And Satan has a holy trinity. As God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit literally exists three and one, one and three. Satan has an unholy trinity as well. He's a great imitator, as we've said before, and the form of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. The dragon is Satan. That's his, his current form is that of a dragon. Uh, the beast as the Antichrist, the devil incarnate, and the false prophet will cause people to worship him in a similar way to the Holy Spirit leads us to salvation and leads us to knowledge. The, the false prophet to the Antichrist, to satanic influence, is going to lead people to false worship and to false knowledge and to false feelings and false beliefs. He will enter the world stage on a platform of fame and fortune. His campaign motto is simply two world, uh, words, world peace. World peace. Why right now the whole world's ready for someone to come out on the scene and say, world peace. And they'll follow him. Someone that has the answer to the Middle East peace crisis. Someone that has the answer uh, to the conflict in the Middle East. Someone that has the answer uh, to the virus and, and, and all that's going on in the world around us. Anyone please give us peace. This man will come out on a platform of peace. And the world stage will accept him. Turn if you would to Daniel chapter number 8. Daniel chapter number 8 tonight if you would. I want to show you a couple of passages. In Daniel chapter number 8, in verse number 23 through 25, speaks about the Antichrist. And here he's called several things, but especially the little horn. And he's called a little horn, and you have to go back and read the whole vision that, uh, that Daniel receives of, uh, of the, uh, the west and the south and the north and the east. And, and he sees Alexander the Great uh, in, in Greece, and he sees... Uh, Persia and Cyrus and Darius and the horns that are there in the southeast and Israel and all that's going to happen in, in the book of Daniel chapter number 8. In Daniel chapter 8 though in verse number 23 uh, and, at, and in the latter time, so that's the last days, in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king, listen to this, verse 23 of Daniel 8, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. By his power shall be mighty, uh, but not by his own power. Why? Because that's the work of Satan. 
and he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. That's the Jews. So keep your eye on Israel. Remember we said it's a sign of the last days. And through his policy, they even call it policy. That's what people talk about even politically today. Also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace, peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. That's the prince, capital P, is Jesus. But he shall be broken without hand. And the vision of the evening and of the morning was told, and it is true. And, uh, and Daniel begins to faint after he sees this vision more real than any IMAX theater you've ever been in or any 3D movie you've ever seen in your life. Daniel physically sees these things unfold. He's ushered in millennia ahead of him into the, I believe, in our lifetime. Somewhere in our lifetime, he sees these events unfold and he sees that the Antichrist comes out and he sees his motto as being a motto of world peace. Keeping your hand on, on Daniel chapter 8, if you look back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, speaking about verse number 2, the coming of the Lord. Verse 2, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. That's when the Lord comes, as a thief in the night. Verse 3, here's a clue to the sign of the last days. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, the Bible says, here's a sign of the last days, right before the coming. It'll be a big push, a push for peace, 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 peace. Why, you can't turn on the television without hearing peace on the news. You can't pick up a newspaper. Peace. When is there going to be peace in the White House? Peace in the Middle East. Peace over here. Peace in North Korea. Peace. He's going to come and cry peace and safety, and then sudden destruction cometh upon him. Now back to Daniel chapter 8. Let me bring out a couple of things about this passage in verse 23 down through verse, or verse 23 down through verse 25. It speaks about his fierce countenance. That means that his influence and his power and his authority is so powerful, no one can oppose him, resist him, or stand against him. He talks about there, he'll use dark sentences. He will be involved somehow in what we call the occult. And we know that because he talks about, in verse 25, his craft. His craft. Uh, it talks about his dark sentences. He, that we call it witchcraft. Even the Bible talks about witchcraft. His craft. Uh, he will be, whether publicly or privately, involved in the occult. And that may be some of the thing that leads him into his uh, incarnation as the devil in the flesh. Verse 24 speaks about his power. And his power shall be mighty. And not by his own power. His power, his power, his power. He gets his power from the devil himself. Verse 25, and through his policy, his policy shall he cause his craft to prosper and magnify himself. He'll make a peace deal with Israel in the Middle East. Israel will believe his policy for peace. And as a result, as they're praying presently for their Messiah to come, he will fit the mold. 
He will fit the description of everything they're looking for. They will literally believe Him to be the Messiah. He will, Matthew 24, verse 24, teaches us that He'll deceive the very elect. In John 5, 43, Jesus said, I come in my name and you won't receive me. But another will come in His name and him ye shall receive. He's speaking, Jesus speaking in John 5, 43, prophetically about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, He'll come in His own name and you're going to receive Him. Israel will believe Him to be the Messiah. He will help Israel rebuild the temple. The temple that has been Solomon's temple and was rebuilt, torn down. Zerubbabel's temple or it's Herod's temple as it was often referred to. Uh, they will say, uh, let's rebuild the temple. And there's already a, a lot going on under the scene, behind the scenes right now for the temple to be rebuilt. But the Antichrist has to go in the temple to be worshipped as God. So the temple has to be rebuilt. It's part of prophecy. And so he might possibly help them with the peace issue. How do you rebuild the temple in Jerusalem without causing an international conflict amongst the Muslim community and the other faiths that are there? And so he'll rebuild the temple. He'll enter the temple and proclaim himself to be God in the place of the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. That's what the Bible speaks about. Of the, uh, uh, the desolation, uh, the abomination of desolation. Jesus spoke about that in Matthew 24 and Daniel speaks about it in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 11. The abomination of desolation. So he will go in at that point and will usher in what is known as the time of Jacob's troubles. Jacob meaning Israel. It's centered around Israel. I have behind me a, an American-Israeli flag. America right now is Israel's greatest ally. I'll tell you who's Israel's greatest ally should be, and that's the Lord God Himself. But outside of America, uh, Israel doesn't have an ally like America in the world. And the world is turning on a nation that was rebirthed in 1948. And there's not going to be any peace in the Middle East until Jesus comes as Prince of Peace to set up the true lasting peace. But there'll be a false Messiah and a false policy and a false peace treaty. But when the Antichrist will break that treaty and turn against Israel, the time of Jacob's troubles will truly begin. The tribulation will truly begin. Where Jesus warned in Matthew 24. Revelation 16 for time's sake, you don't have to turn there, but in verse 13 through 14, about the Antichrist, the image, the mark, the number, and all that's related to the Antichrist, speaks about his great powers in that chapter. I'm telling you simply tonight that the church is like the salt that is influencing the world and holding back, preventing corruption from taking place through the power of the Holy Spirit. When the church is called out and raptured out, then all corruption is going to take place. It'll literally be hell on earth. Hell is fixing to have a holiday and a heyday in this world without any restraint from Scripture or from the church or from preachers or from witnesses. It'll be over and then the Antichrist will rise and take control and power. The fifth thing I want to mention tonight is the misery of man that will be redoubled. The misery of man will be redoubled. And back in verse 15 of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. In verse 
Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two and verse number fifteen says that therefore, brethren, stand, stand fast and hold the tradition which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And he speaks about the comfort that'll be there. Uh, the world is is needing comfort presently. In 1 Corinthians 15, we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I should say, we're told to comfort one another with these words. Even presently, in the midst of all the misery, there is comfort to the Holy Spirit and comfort to Scripture. But when the Antichrist comes on the scene, and when he has his way, there'll be no comfort whatsoever to this world that we're living in. And the misery of man will literally be redoubled. Back in Daniel chapter 8. Again, I want you to see in Daniel chapter 8. Uh, it says that the truth will be cast to the ground. That it, and it practiced and prospered. The whole earth will be a vast concentration camp. Just like the concentration camps of the 1940s will be nothing compared to what's going to happen to this world where every global citizen will have been numbered and will be marked under the control of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be the Caesars and the Hitlers and the Napoleons and the Mussolinis and the Stalins and the Saddam Husseins and the Osama bin Ladens all melted and wrapped up into one person, one entity. He will be literally evil incarnate. Computers are going to help track everyone. If I had time tonight, just that study alone, going back to the little microchips and things of that nature, computers in places all around the globe, in Russia, they're already using street cameras to monitor people's movings and where they're going. There's people all over the globe that are, that are now being, uh, they're wearing bracelets to monitor their every movement. Better than that, our cell phones are monitoring our movements. Everything you do is being tracked. Your purchases are being tracked. The things you watch online are being monitored and being tracked. Do you know even in your vehicles today, in all newer vehicles in the past 20 years, have computer systems in there? Boy, I miss the old days of just basic engines, just basic distributors and carburetors. I mean, basic engines, but now everything is based on a computer system, a hard drive. And that you could, just like a black box on a plane, now you have an accident and it reports back to the company, back to the insurance company, whoever it is, the manufacturer, uh, what speed you were going, what direction you were going, did you lock your brakes, was your seatbelt engaged? The whole world is tracking us today. The Antichrist is going to make the world miserable. Smart cards, onboard computers, pets are now being chipped. All that's going on. Think of how miserable it's been the past nearly 40 days of this quarantine. How frustrating it is to not be able to shop where you want to shop. How frustrating it is to not be able to buy what you want to buy. I mean, there was a, a, a time where if you wanted toilet paper, you couldn't even get toilet paper. Didn't matter how wealthy you were. Can you imagine how that will be multiplied? By tens of thousand times over. Because you can't buy without the mark. 
You can't sell without the mark. You can't buy a cup of coffee without it. You can't get a gallon of gas without it. You can't buy diapers without it. You can't get toilet paper without it. It'll be forced and your every move is tracked and the government is going to tell people where they can and can't go and monitor their every movement. And folks, it's happening even as we speak tonight. Someone said the more machines act like men, the more men will act like machines. And if that don't describe 2020, I don't know what to, how to describe it. Paul's writing all these things to bring comfort to the body of Christ. Not to scare us, but to comfort us because, yes, we need to know these things are true. Yes, we need to know they're going to happen. But we've got great comfort in knowing if it happens, then we know who we're trusting. We know what the Word of God says about our future. Even if we died for our faith, it only gets better after this world. But to this world, after the church is gone, the misery of man will be redoubled. Remember we talked about the two phases of Christ's coming. He's coming for His church and He comes with His church. They're not the same event. The first stage is what we're waiting on tonight for Him to come for His church. When he comes for his church, things are going to happen. Things are going to take place. And when he comes for his church, that could happen at any moment. And then the Antichrist will be revealed. Then the mark of the beast. Then the tribulation. Then you can't buy and sell. Then the plagues and the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the heat will scorch men and people will seek death. And the scorpions that will come up out of the pit are going to sting me. All the things that Daniel and Revelation and other places speak about will unfold then. But we've got the comfort of knowing that he could come back tonight and save us from the misery of this world that's going to be redoubled. The mystery of the rapture was only revealed to the New Testament. Uh, only revealed to Paul and then to the early believers that were there. It was a mystery. The Old Testament prophets didn't see it. They saw the second advent. They didn't see the rapture of the church. It's one of the mysteries. But the mystery is the rapture. But then the majesty will be the revelation. The majesty of the revelation is that Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back visibly at the second advent, he's not coming for the church. He's coming with the church. God uses figures of speech to explain it. Many figures. I'll give you three real quick. He comes suddenly like lightning in Matthew 24, 27. He comes secretly as a thief in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. He comes sovereignly like a king in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 8. The mystery is the rapture, but the majesty is the revelation. Suddenly like lightning, secretly like a thief, but then he comes sovereignly like a king. And when he comes back, every eye will see him. Every nation will see him. You can't hide from him. Everyone will see him. He'll come from the east and split the eastern sky wide open. We're going to come with him. He's going to make his way to the Mount of Olives. It'll split in two. The highway of the king will make a way to the eastern gate that's been shut for thousands of years. That'll be open only when Jesus Christ comes into the eastern gate. And he goes like a beeline into Jerusalem to rule and to reign forever and forever. And folks, his coming is nearer than we think. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be peace with Israel after the church is gone for three and a half years. Israel's going to enjoy a peace like they've never known for hundreds and thousands of years. But it's only going to last for three and a half years. The temple's going to be rebuilt. 
The Antichrist then will, will turn on Israel and proclaim himself as God, as the Messiah. The fury of Israel will unfold and they will reject the Antichrist, which will unleash the fury of the devil and his power and, and, and the Antichrist and the beast and the false prophet against Israel. The Antichrist then is going to gather the nations together under the greatest, not in the sense of a positive great, but in the sense of size and proportion. The greatest number of nations and army the world has ever seen are going to gather against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon, at the Valley of Jezreel. And about the time he makes his final move to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, Finally, completely, and forever, about the moment he's ready to push that red button, about the moment the, the machine guns and the missiles and all the bombs are going to turn against Israel, at that moment before one trigger has been pulled or one move, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to open up the heavens. And he's going to destroy the armies of the Antichrist and of the world and of Satan with not a weapon, but with his word. With his word. The Lord Jesus Christ will destroy him with his word. And the Bible says it's like a sword that comes out of his mouth. And with the brightness, the Bible tells us, of his coming. The light of his coming. The glory of his coming. The glory of God is so bright. It makes a million suns look like the darkest, deepest night in the depths of the ocean. When the Lord comes in His glory and His power, He'll destroy the Antichrist with just two words. You know what they are tonight? Drop dead. Drop dead. Two words ends the Antichrist. Ends all that He's going to do. And then the 777 of God destroys finally the end of the career of the 666 Antichrist. The question tonight is, are you ready? Are you saved? Satan wants to give you a number. To him, you're just another number. Like the government. I love our government, but you're just another number. Just another, just another social security number. Just another figure. Satan gives you a number, 666. But the Lord Jesus Christ gives you a new name. And I've got a new name written down in glory. And praise God, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. My name's in the Lamb's book of life is yours tonight. You say, on what authority? On the authority of Scripture, the word of Almighty God. The same word that will destroy the Antichrist is the same word that we can read and fear and believe and live by and, and, and be the foundation of our ministry, of our churches, of our, our faith, of everything that we are and everything we do. The kingdom of the Antichrist is real simple. The kingdom of Satan has been against the kingdom of God from the beginning. God has a kingdom. Satan has a kingdom. Let me give you some facts about the Antichrist tonight before we're through. He will be a humanist in Daniel chapter 11. Go back to Daniel chapter 11 in verse number 36. And Daniel eleven thirty-six, 36, And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself, and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper to the indignation, be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. He'll be a humanist. Number two, he will prosper for a short time, for a while. Look in verse 37 of Daniel 11. 
Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers for the desire of women, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above God. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Verse 36 and verse 37 says that he'll prosper. Verse 36 and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. He'll be a humanist. He'll prosper for a while. As we just read there in verse 37, here's another clue to the Antichrist. The Antichrist will not regard or not desire women. There's only two ways to look at this. Our Protestant forefathers... The reason why we're here tonight and not the reason why we're in America is thank God for our Protestant forefathers. The reason why we're Baptist tonight, or if you're Methodist or Presbyterian or, uh, or Lutheran, whatever you might be, the reason why the Protestant forefathers did what they did is because they believed Scripture and they recognized that there was a, a, a person that resembled every characteristic of the Antichrist and it was the Catholic Pope. Do you know even our King James Bible in the dedicatory page, in the preface to the reader, it talked about the Pope as being the man of sin, the son of perdition, his hellish father. Either he's going to be a Pope, and if you study Revelation 17, you find that Rome is the seat of the whore on seven hills and, and is connected with the beast and the Antichrist and the false prophet. And that's a fact of history, not a Baptist teaching, that's a Bible teaching. And that led them to conclude that the Pope was going to be the Antichrist uh, because of so many things. And we'll get to that maybe at a later study. But one of the issues, too, is that the Pope doesn't get married. So that fits the, the description. It's either he's a Pope or and, and or he's a homosexual. Isn't that interesting that homosexuality has come out to the forefront? of politics and religion and everything else in our generation, in our day and age. And yet one of the signs of the Antichrist is to have no desire of women. All right, you know that if a man would have run on a platform of being a homosexual 50 years ago, he wouldn't have got elected to anything. If he had ran 100 years ago or 500 years ago, he wouldn't have got anywhere. And now if he ran, he'd be praised. In fact, you've got him running for president and everything else nowadays that come out of the closet and proclaim with their pride, just like Satan, his pride was his downfall, uh, what they believe and what they are. So that's another clue of no desire of women. He'll be a blasphemer in verse 37. Uh, number five, he'll honor the, uh, the God of forces in verse 37 and verse 38, but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor. The God of forces. Remember we talked about the word craft. That goes back to witchcraft. The God of forces. Force. That's like the force field. That's like in Star Wars. Use the force. The force be with you. It's a spiritual realm, a spiritual uh, a movement that is unseen, unknown. He will be involved in the occult. It's a sign of the last days. Also, witchcraft, the occultism, Satanism, sorcery, wizardry. Do you know that that's called out left and right in the New Testament as signs of the last days? And Galatians 5.20, Revelation 21.8, Revelation 20, uh, uh, 22.15, you name it, 
calls that junk out and says it'll be a sign of the last days and look how it's magnified and exalted and glamorized and popularized and now we've got white witches, white witchcraft, Wiccan beliefs and all of that stuff is going on in this day and age we're in. You honor the God of forces. He'll be a great uniter, then a great divider. Yet he'll receive great approval from the world in chapter 11 and verse number 39. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with the strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. He's going to get great approval. He's going to gain the approval of the world. He's going to be able to rule over them. He'll also divide the land. He's going to try look out for anyone. If you don't get nothing else tonight, get this. Look out for anyone who's constantly trying to divide the land of Israel. If they're dividing the land of Israel and saying, well, the West Bank really don't belong to Israel. And really, they don't need this land over here. And give Jerusalem back to the Palestinians. That's a sign of the last days. That's a sign of Satan's movement through the Antichrist. I'll show you something else. It's plain as, uh, as the hand in front of our face. Right in front of our face. Look in chapter 11, verse 20. Chapter 11, verse 20. Then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom. But with few days he shall be destroyed, neither in anger nor in battle. A raiser of taxes. This is all in Daniel. But it's clues that God gives us to the man of sin, the son of perdition, the antichrist, the little horn. Look out for someone that's trying to divide the land. Look out for someone that's into the occult, that has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof like Romans 1 tells us. Look out for someone that blasphemes. Look out for someone that's a homosexual and someone that's a raiser of taxes. You know, even with all this bill that's been given out, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the check that many have gotten in the mail, People are already saying they're going to tax us later for it. Look out for people with taxes and raising it. I'll say, last of all, he'll be a great politician and negotiator. In chapter 11, verse 21, And in his estate shall stand up a vile person, to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flattery. By flatteries. Boy, that's today. Smooth talking. I mean, I, I see it even with politicians. I see when people care more about what the politician looks like than what he stands for. I see they care more about how politician is able to debate and how he's able to present himself in public speaking versus the issues that he represents. I saw, and I don't care what party line you fall under, I'm not preaching tonight, Republican or Democrat, I'm just making a point. So if I lose you tonight for this, oh well. I don't want to, but I'm just going to give you an illustration. I remember when Barack Obama was running for president, how many young people said they wanted to vote for him just because he was younger and nicer looking? I can't tell how many times I heard people say that. Well, he's nice looking. Who cares what he looks like? What does he stand for? That's going to be the Antichrist. He's going to be a, a, a politician, a negotiator. He's going to be well-spoken, well-read. He's going to be able to be someone that can speak peaceably and come in in flatteries. Tell people what they want to hear. Do you know the Bible says, Woe be unto you when all men speak well of you. If nobody has anything but positive things to say, you must be doing something wrong. 
Now, I'm going to stop there tonight for time's sake. I'm going to get into next week, our next study of the Antichrist, a little bit deeper than this. This is where we've been the past few weeks. Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 11 are two of the greatest chapters in the Bible with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Matthew 24 and Revelation 13 that tell us about the work of the Antichrist. Now, there's other clues that are left behind. Uh, certain clues, for example... Uh, his number, we know, is related to 666. Uh, there's clues about his mark. His mark is associated in the Bible with a leprous spot or the spot of a leper. Can a leper change his spot? There's clues in the Bible to that. The, we, we find clues about his sign is, is associated with a kiss, just like Judas gave a kiss to Jesus, which resembles a leprous spot. He's associated with the letter. The letter X is very peculiar. We'll talk about the letter X. Latin and English words that are connected with X. That are connected with the Antichrist. I'm talking about the word cross or crux. Or rex for king. Or peace is pax in Latin. Or how about his number is six. Six, six. How about... He has no desire of women, and yet the world is associating today sex with something that is unbiblical. There's that word, sex. If somebody watches that on television or on the internet, it's rated X, X, X. It's a paradox, which is an X. He speaks for the devil, and speak is vox in Latin. His seat, he speaks X cathedra. He speaks in the place of God. He has a mark that is symbolic of a pox, like a chicken pox. Uh, he's associated with a black mark, and black in Latin is sticks. If I wanted to look at a kiss, or write a kiss down, I'd put XXX, or OOO, kisses and hugs. If you look at the top of a pyramid, it's a perfect X that is there. And now we have things like X-Factor, and X-Files, and X-Men Mutants, and Xerox, and Microsoft Excel, and, uh, and uh, XM Radio, and, uh, and so much more is connected. Fox News Network. Fox. X. What has the X got to do with it? What is the 666? The Bible talks about him riding in on a white horse. And about him being a king and a prince and a false god and associated with the light and has a bride and has a city and is represented by an angel and quotes scripture and is likened to a lion and is compared to a serpent and is called a messiah and is called the anointed and he will rule for 42 months. I'll give you one last clue and we'll take this up next week. One last clue. Look in Zechariah chapter 11. We'll end here. Zechariah is one of the little minor prophet books. If you're already in Daniel, keep going until you get to the book of Zechariah. You go past the books of Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah, Haggai. You get to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 11 and verse number 17. Here again is a prophecy about the Antichrist. Here he's called the idle shepherd. The idle shepherd. Not idle like 
board, but idol like worshipped, like American idol. In verse 17, woe to the idol shepherd that leaveth the flock. This again is prophetic about the Antichrist. Woe to the idol shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. Now, you can take the Bible literally there if you want to. I always take the Bible literally. And uh, some say, well, this is just figurative. Maybe it's talking about his might and his power. Well, the idle shepherd, the Antichrist, is going to be attacked with his right eye and his right arm. And so that's why when you've seen politicians running and they've got a, a bad right arm, people have come out quick and said, that's Antichrist. Well, it wasn't him or them. Or somebody's got a patch over their eye. That, that's a clue. God leaves these clues scattered, crumbs, all over the Bible. And our job is to go seek them out put them together and we see the picture. I'm not a date setter. I don't know how long we've got. But I know this. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And I know this. We are the salt. We are the light. We are the city set on a hill. And as long as we're radiating the light, reflecting the light of Jesus into this world, there's that much less darkness. We are the salt of the earth. But when that salt is removed and that light is removed, then all hell will literally break loose on this earth. There'll be no more restraining factor. And so I would say tonight, if you're not saved, get saved tonight. Don't wait. Because I will answer, uh, I may do the study tomorrow night, it'll either be tomorrow night or Friday. But the three questions I mentioned at the beginning of this study, what happens to those that are left behind, what will they think happen? I'm going to get to that in our, our next study, not our Wednesday night study, but either tomorrow night or Friday night. What happens to those that are left behind? What will they think happen to those that were taken? The second question I was asked, those who have heard the gospel but never accepted Jesus Christ. What will happen to them during the tribulation? And the third question I was asked this week is, where is America in prophecy? So I'll make an announcement about answering those questions. If you have any other questions you have for me about the Antichrist, about this study tonight, about prophecy, feel free to message me in my inbox or put your comment in the section below. Or you can email me at pastorpierce35, the number 35, at yahoo.com. Uh, and we'll get to these questions, and uh, I appreciate you asking me questions. I look forward to studying that. Thank you for encouraging me to go back in this study again tonight. I don't know if it's been a blessing to you or not, uh, but I appreciate the study. And, uh, and Lord willing, we'll get more in-depth with this, uh, a little bit deeper than even tonight, in our next study on the Antichrist. And I pray Jesus comes back soon. And so let's close our service tonight in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had to be in this study and Lord, I thank you for the truths of Scripture. And Lord, as I said at the beginning, I acknowledge that I am nothing and I know nothing. And Lord, the material that I tried to offer tonight, Lord, you've blessed me to be able to study and to work some of these things out. And I just pray that it would be spiritual food to those that are hungry. And Lord, may it be a source of encouragement. As I said a moment ago, Paul didn't write these things to scare us. You didn't put them in your word to frighten us, but to comfort us, to know that we know who we trust and who we believe. And that you're persuaded, uh, and I'm persuaded that you will keep that which we've committed unto you against that day. Lord, bless our congregation that have tuned in. Bless our family and friends that are listening in as well. Our guests that are tuning in through this study, whether live stream or whether it will be shared later. And Lord, we just pray that your honor and glory will be uh, the result of all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in again tonight. And keep uh, watching as I'll make some announcements about answering these questions here shortly. May you have a blessed night. We'll talk to you soon.